All right, so two things as we get going, and you guys have to tell me which one is true. So I was told either you guys are the least spiritual crowd of all the people that comes to church here because you love sleep way more than you love Jesus. That's why you choose this service. Er, er. Er, it's not done yet. Er, you guys are the most spiritual because you rest in the spirit before you come to church. Sounds like that one. All right, all right, we can work with that. We can work with that. All right, so as we continue in the, the series here at the church, um, the spiritual practices. Of, of Jesus that is displayed in his life, we now find ourselves this morning talking about scripture. And, and today we'll be talking about abiding in the, in the scripture. And of course, there, there's a million things that we can say when it comes to the spiritual practice of scripture, you know, reading it, knowing it, applying it, and all of that. But unfortunately, we don't have the time, so to speak. You guys need to get back to resting in the spirit you know, before, before too long. Um, so let's, uh, let's look at a few things and, and, and really see, you know, how, how we should value the scripture and, and, and how we should live our lives based on the word of God. In, in order to get this going, we will look at Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. So if you have a Bible, uh, uh, turn there. If you don't, then um, it should be on your app, one of the apps in your phone. If it's not there, then you're failing uh, because technology has allowed you to, to have it with you so you can carry it everywhere you go. Um, 2 Timothy three fourteen to 17, it reads, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, I want to start off by saying that for us, for Christians, the Bible is not up for debate. For you and I here this morning, there is no back and forth as to whether it is true or not true. There is no discussion as to whether we can trust the instructions in the Bible or not trust the instructions in the Bible. The Bible is the Word of God. We who are disciples of Jesus Christ, we live our lives and we are fully dependent on Him and the words that He has given to us. And we use it in this life until we get to the next. When we open the Bible every day, and this is me assuming you guys read it every day, right? When we open the Bible, you and I are getting ready to hear God Almighty speak to us from his word when we open it. And we would have it no other way. 
We are getting ready to hear his words straight from his mouth to our hearts and to our mind daily. As we look at the scripture, when you open your Bible, we need to always remember that this is the very word of God. And here in 2 Timothy, we are told that this word that is given to us is useful to get some things done. And the first one we come to is that it is useful for teaching. And we see this in the life of Jesus all over the gospel. There is nowhere that you would find in the gospel where Jesus is not using the scripture to teach people. The minute you begin to read, you see that. Whenever Jesus would teach, he would always draw people's attention to what the word says, to what the scripture says, to what they knew at that time as scripture, to what the Old Testament would be saying. Almost every time he taught, it was in regards to the scripture that they had before them. The gospel tells us <clears throat> that when Jesus would teach, the people in his time would be amazed because he taught as someone who had authority and not just as someone who was a scribe. I believe that for you and I today, what is lacking is that when we use the scripture, when we go to people, specifically if we're trying to give someone instruction or encourage someone, we present the word of God to them with some form of timidness. Like, like we're uncertain, we're not sure about this word. We don't, we, we're not even convinced that it has the power that it says it has to make change in the lives of people. And if that is the way you approach the word, then, then repentance needs to happen on your part. Because the word of God has authority. Scripture tells us it has the power to bring about salvation for people. That's the power of God himself because we know that salvation is of the Lord. So we should by no means draw back and feel timid and feel uncertain when we are getting ready to present the word of God to people. When we are getting ready to minister to people, whether it's in our house or, or in our office space, wherever it is, whenever we're going to use the scripture to instruct, to encourage, whatever it is, there is no need for us to do that with any kind of timidness. We can do it with authority because it has authority. We can do it with power because it has power. The next thing that we are told here is that it is useful for rebuking, which is something that we try to stay away from a lot. We don't want no big disagreements with people, so we're just not going to do that, right? It is useful for rebuking. We can actually express sharp disapproval towards someone's behavior or action with the word of God. And we see from the gospel, we are told time and time again where Jesus, he would rebuke demons, he would rebuke nature, you know, the wind, the waves, he would rebuke sickness, but more importantly, he would also rebuke people. Peter probably got it the most, you know, one of the guys closest to Jesus. And you and I should not shy away from that, because if someone is not acting or believing rightly, we can use the word of God 
to rebuke them. It is useful for correcting, and I believe in, in our time, in this day and age, a lot of correcting needs to happen. And sometimes we go about it the wrong way. We try to correct people with different things and different means. But if we would stick to the word of God, we would see fruits. We would see things being done when it comes to correcting people. See, right now, going on all around us is that everybody is very opinionated, right? Everything has to flow on what I think, what I believe. So my opinion is important, and if I think something should be one way, you shouldn't correct me. But that is not the way we are to live our lives. When we look at Scripture, if our actions are against it, then some correction needs to happen, especially if we consider ourselves to be children of God, to be disciples or followers of Jesus Christ. We don't all have it together. There is not one man that can walk around and say, I need no correcting in my life. I'm good. Not one. We all need correcting from time to time. Now, Jesus, in doing this, we see, if you would just look at Matthew 5, 6, and 7, just the Sermon on the Mount right? You see that Jesus was correcting the people in his days all the time and using scripture to do so. He would begin by saying, you have heard that it was said. And then he would follow that by saying, but I tell you. And, and please note, please understand that by no means was Jesus ever trying to change what the scripture says. He was never trying to rewrite or re-instruct people. You know, he was always pointing them to the heart of the matter, which is our heart. That is where the problem lies. Because the people in Jesus' time, they knew what the scripture said. But over a period of time, they begin to twist it and to use it the way they saw it best, the way they thought that it should be. And when Jesus was correcting them, he was pointing them to the heart of the issue, to the fact that it is, it's really a heart problem. Don't try to twist the words and make it become what you want it to be so that your little action can portray what you're telling people, but get to the heart of the issue, which is why he would say, this is what you're being told, but this is the real problem. This is where the change needs to happen. Uh, a portion of scripture that I always um, like to, to turn to is found in John 6, John 6, 25, I mean, 20, yeah, 25 to 27. And it's just right after Jesus fed the 5,000, you know, we know that story. We, we talk about it all the time. And he left, went across the sea. These people were still looking for Jesus. So they decided, hey, he's not here. Let's go across the sea, follow him where he's at. And then now they show up, kind of like just saying, hey, we had no idea you were here, you know. And Jesus corrected them, a short little rebuke and correction happening at the same time, by saying, you guys are not following me because of what you see me doing. You're following me because you ate and had your fill. Basically saying, you're following me because you're hungry again. You want more food, right? And then he corrects that, he rebukes that and corrects that by saying, don't work for food that perishes, but labor for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you if you believe. 
So they were looking for something. They were probably thinking, and, and we don't know, we're just assuming that, hey, he fed us yesterday, he can do it again today. And Jesus is like, that's not the food that's going to endure. That's not what you really need. What you really need is what endure to eternal life. And that I can give to you. Right? The next thing we're told here is that it is useful for training in righteousness. For training in righteousness. Now, we like to ask questions. Some of us have more questions than others. Some of us are just chilling all the time. But to a large degree, we are a people who wants to know things. We want to find things out. So we might ask from time to time, how do we know what is expected of us as children of God if, if, if we are supposed to be trained in righteousness? How do we know what is expected of us? Besides just the, the moral laws that we have written on our heart, you know, that the things that we say good things or bad things, we have the very word of God that has been given to us. See, in the scripture itself, many times, there are questions that are being asked and immediately answered. And, and all that is for our own good so that we can say, oh, that's a good question. Let's see where we're going to find the answer. Specifically, I mean, here is two examples, Ertree. We see in Psalms 119.9, the question is asked and immediately answered. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to the words of God. So for you and I, when you're saying there's a lot of junk in our life, we want to get outside of those things. We want to be pure and to live pure. We set up boundaries not by what we think, but by what the word of God says. When we put God real, so to speak, using the word of God, it gives us a clearer view, a better direction to live a pure life. In Acts 16, the guy asked, what must I do to be saved, right? If, if you're really ministering to people at your job site, home, wherever you are, we know, we know a lot of unsaved people. And one of them might ask you this one day, what must I do to be saved? And I am pretty sure you're going to try and come up with a long list. You're going to write a whole paragraph. Let me explain this to this person. But here in Acts, as soon as the question is asked, it, the, the response was, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And I know for us, that sounds so simple. Why does that sound so easy? Because that's what the Word of God says. We don't need to give them five paragraphs as to, as to what they need to do. When it says right here, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Or the best one yet, what is God's will for my life? How many of you have ever asked that question? Only a few? Everybody else knows what it is already before you ever came? It's like, yeah, I know what God wants. I don't need to worry, right? What is God's will for my life? Here's a chain of thought in, in Romans 12 too. You know, something that you can say, if I follow this pattern that is set out, I will be able to discern what God's will is. This is what it says in Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
So here we are told that if we are not conforming to this world, you know, everybody around you is always seeing things, culture and society, they have the do's and don'ts that they desire for us to live by, but the scriptures say, let's not conform to that. But let's transform ourselves by the renewal of our mind, by constantly, you and I, daily getting into the Word of God so that we can be renewed, so that we can know what it says, what is expected of us. And when we do that, it tells us here that by testing, we may discern what the will of God is. By not conforming, by being transformed because our minds are being renewed every day as we spend time with the Lord, you will be able to discern what his will for you is. It says that which is good, which is acceptable, and which is perfect. Or if you want it even more simpler than that, 1 Thessalonians 4.3, it says, For this is God's will for you, your sanctification. Done, right? Easy, simple. This is what God wants. You, what does God want? You to be sanctified. You to be separated from this world and its culture. You to be holy. To be set apart. That's what he desires for you and I. Now you might be thinking, that is so easy and simple, and I believe that that is true, but I was just trying to figure out if I should marry the person beside me or not. Well, follow the chain of thought in Romans 12 too. If you're not conforming, if you're being transformed and your mind is being renewed, you will be able to discern if that is God's will for you or not. As the scripture continues there in 2 Timothy, it tells us that these things, the, the word of God, what it's useful for, and if we follow those uses, it says that this is so that we would be complete and equipped for every good work. As Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ, and as ministers of the gospel, we need the scripture. We cannot divert from it and say, well, I'll find a better book to read that is going to give me better instructions and better guidance in life. No, we need the scriptures. It completes us, Paul tells Timothy, and that is in a way that it makes us more full. We find in the scriptures everything that we need to carry out every good work that God has placed before us for his kingdom. There is enough within the Bible. There is enough to prepare you and I for any service that God is going to call you into just within the word of God. If you read it, if you're obedient to it, there is enough in there to prepare you for every good work that God is going to call you into. See, for me, growing up, there, was, yeah, there were a lot of things in, in the culture that were passed down from just traditions and just cultural stuff that I used to believe were true. And when I became a student of the, the Word of God, there were very, very strong conflicts within my soul, mainly because the Bible was saying one thing, and then culture and tradition were saying just the opposite. And I had to come to the realization that if the Bible is true, 
then some of these things has to be wrong. They have to be false. The only way for these things to be true is if the Bible is false. And because the Bible is true, then these things have to be false. And slowly but surely, as I begin to study it more, to read it more, to believe it more fully and experience the Word of God, I had to slowly shift from some of those things that culturally they were right, traditionally they were right for the culture, but biblically they were wrong. They didn't fit in what God desired, in what God wanted for me as a child of God. So whereas culture and society were saying, you're a man, you're, you're the boss, you're, you're not just the head, you're the boss, I had to disagree with that because the word of God says, no, you're the head, but you know, Jesus is the ultimate boss. We, we don't pick up his role just because we're men, right? Whereas the culture was saying that this is right and the scripture is saying, no, this is wrong, then I have to submit and abide by what the scripture has to say. And you will notice in your own life, the more you submit to the scripture, the more you're going to have to step away from some of the things that you always thought were right but you come to realize that they're not. So two big things before we close this up. One, if you do not know what the Word of God says, you will fall subject to things that are for temporary satisfaction as opposed to things that bring permanent joy. If you do not know what the Word of God says, you will fall for things that are for temporary satisfaction as opposed to things that brings permanent joy. And we see this in the life of Jesus for all three temptations that were thrown before him when he was tempted in the wilderness. The first one, turn these stones into bread. You know you're hungry. That is just for temporary satisfaction. Does not bring permanent joy. Throw yourself down. I'm pretty sure the angels are going to hold you up. They're going to sustain you. That's just to find out that God loves you and cares about you in one moment, a, a temporary fix as opposed to knowing that for all eternity. And then, of course, look at all the kingdom of the world. You know, if you would bow down and worship me, I will, I will give you all these things. And we know that there is no kingdom on earth that can be compared to the kingdom of God. So in all three things, and what Jesus used there is that he used the scripture to show that there were things that would lead to permanent joy that were way better than what was being offered. Do I turn stones into bread when man don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, which is going to last forever? Do I throw myself down just to find out that he cares about me in this one instance? Or do I not put him to the test because I know he loves me forever? Do I worship and receive kingdoms that are, going, that are fleeting and are going to pass away? Or do I serve God and be in his kingdom that is going to last forever? But if we don't know that, then we're going to gravitate and fall to things that are for temporary satisfaction. And I believe that it is this chasing after things that are temporary that... that is drawing more and more people away from the truth of the scriptures and into the lies of the world. People no longer cares about what the Bible says. 
They just want to listen to this guy or listen to that guy. They don't even test the words against Scripture anymore to see if it lines up. We fail to realize a lot of time that even the best of us are capable of errors. Even the best. The second thing is that we need to know that the Bible is not a democracy. That it is the word of God. It is the decree that comes from our king. So if you were subject in a kingdom, and you are because you're children of God in the kingdom of God, then you have no other choice but to be obedient to the decree of that king. His instructions, his rules, his laws. But today, we want everything to be a democracy. You live in a democratic republic. You have elections coming up. Everybody wants to vote. Every decision that needs to be made, everybody wants to vote on it. Everybody wants to have an opinion, to have a say. This is not how we approach the word of God. We are subjects in his kingdom. What he has given us in the Bible is his instructions, his decree for our lives. And we don't get to vote on it. We don't get to decide. We don't get to look and say, well, I know the scripture says that, but that's up for voting. We can decide whether that is true or not. We can decide whether we want to obey that or not. No. And, and it is this very idea that, that we can be in a democracy with God that is actually leading to a lot of biblical illiteracy. Because then people no longer cares about it. If you can vote on it, and if you can have an opinion about it, then why would you care? For you and I, as children of God, we don't approach it that way. We don't come to the word that way. We come to it as if this is the decree that comes from our king in heaven. And we need to abide by these instructions, by these laws, by these words, or we will die. That's how we approach the scripture. Now, you should never look at it as just, hey, it's just a bunch of writings from a bunch of men. No. It's the word of God. The authors were only channels that God used to bring his truth into our hearts and our mind. It's his words. And so we love it. We get to take it everywhere we go. You know, you, either you have a, a physical copy for those people who like to feel the pages against their fingers, or it's on your device where you're scrolling all the time and reading it and knowing it. Now, learning and getting to know the scripture is more than just reading it. We need to establish this. It is more than just reading it. You can read something and know what it says, or you can read something and really know it. It is more than just reading. Reading is important, but it is also important for you and I to meditate on the word of God, for you and I to apply the word of God to our lives. And then we get to live out the word of God, which is usually the harder part because sometimes the things we are called to do makes no sense to us and it makes no sense to other people, right? Now, this approach has always helped me personally in my life, the approach of 
not only reading and knowing and applying, but actually living out the word of God. I, I ran into this guy one time, and he had vast knowledge about the scripture. If you ask him any question, he knew it, right? And, and in the middle of our conversation, he said, I really believe the Bible. And I said to him, I am not convinced. I have to disagree with you. You do not believe the Bible. And he says, yes, I really believe the Bible, but I cannot be like you. You know, and, and this is where he, I begin to see that he didn't really believe the Bible. He said, I can't be like you. I can't live the way you do. But he still says he really believed the Bible. So I said, I am not convinced. And here is why I'm not convinced. If I am to give you a piece of fire right now, would you take it in your hand? And he said, no. I said, no, your answer is no. Is it no because you read in a book that fire burns or because you actually hold fire before and you know that fire burns? And of course, his answer to that is that he tested that he actually holds fire before and he knows that it burns. So I told him it is the same thing with the Bible. You only read it. So you can't say you believe it because you have not tested it. You have not put any of these instructions from God into action to know that it is true. And there is the difference between him and I. is that I have, more than just reading it, I have applied the scriptures to my life. I have lived out the instructions that I find in scripture. So I know that the scripture is true. I can say I believe the scripture. When the Bible, when the word of God comes to you and I and say, hey, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, it's easy for you to say I believe that and still be at odds with those people that are your enemy. But until you really make an active effort to go to those people that consider themselves your enemy, to talk with them, to pray for those people, it is only then that you will get to know the word of God. More than just reading, applying, and living out. And it is interesting that we are told in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy that everything that is given to us by God in his word is for our own good. It is so that things may go well with us. Time and time again in the book of Deuteronomy, it says that we need to be careful to keep the statutes of God, be careful to obey the commands of God, be careful to do what we are instructed in the word of God so that it will go well with you and with your children forevermore. God is not just sitting up there saying, I want to make your life miserable, so I'm going to ask you to do a lot of ridiculous things. That is not what he's doing. Whatever he asks us to do in his words is so that it will go well with us. Imagine if everybody really believed the Bible. You think the world would be in the state that it is now? Never. It's impossible for the world to be in the state if everybody believed if everybody was obedient to the word of God. It is for our own good. Praying for your enemy and loving your enemy is not so that they can have a nice time. It is for your own heart. It is so that things would go well with you. And that's why we should submit to the word of God. The same way Jesus submitted to the scripture, everything that he did was so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. 
And for you and I, as we look at the instructions, as we go to the Word of God daily, we should have nothing in our heart but complete submission to the Word of God. For in so doing, in living it out, in obeying it, we will be pleasing our Father, and things will go well with us. See, the Scripture should not just inform us about the way to life. It should be shaping and reshaping. It should be forming and transforming our lives as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what the Scripture should be doing for you and I. Not just informing us, but shaping the way we live and reshaping the way we live as we learn more and more. Forming our lives and transforming our lives as we learn more and more. That as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we will only expand in our love for him and in our love for people. Let's pray. Father, we, just, we, we love your word, Lord. And we just ask that your spirit would come in, that your spirit would enable us to fall even more in love with your words, that we'll be able to see the beauty that there is in being obedient to your words, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us, that you would guide us, that you would stir up within our heart a complete love and submission to the scriptures that has been given to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.